I'm off all medications. I no longer have high blood pressure, IBS. I have not had a kidney stone in two years. Welcome to You Cured What? The podcast of reversing the irreversible. This is where you hear how real people are healing from conditions that most people think they're stuck with for life. I'm your host, Joe Kalb. If I had to give you some medical advice, I'd go to medical school and get a medical degree. Seriously, nothing in this podcast is medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute as such. Now, enjoy the You Cured What? conversation. Our guest today has overcome a number of health problems, everything from irritable bowel syndrome to type 2 diabetes to hypertension to non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. I'm thrilled to have Barbara Kendrick on the podcast today. Barbara, can you give us a little bit of your health history? Sure. Um, Well, to start off, I've always been overweight and unhealthy as far as I can remember. So that's probably as far as back as, you know, five years old. And um, then it just got worse and worse, you know, overweight, unhealthy, eating the wrong foods, which we didn't know were the wrong foods back then. And um, then I turned 40 and I was just fat 40 and falling apart. Right. I had um, at that age, you know, chronic kidney stones, which to me were the worst. If you had them, they're very painful. Um, Oh, I've heard. Yeah. On top of what you you mentioned, the IBS, the high blood pressure, edema. um, I just started um, type two diabetes, you know, pre-diabetic. And, um, you know, the fatty liver was a new one on me. You know, they just in the hospital, they tell you, okay, you have fatty liver and, oh, just watch what you eat, follow the SAD diet, the standard American diet. And, um, yeah, so that's what, that's what really started my journey. I, I wanted to do more research. I got sick of just getting sent home with medications and, um, and medicating me for the symptoms and not getting down to the root problem. Okay, so uh, it sounds like you had been seeing medical professionals for for several years, and uh, the the options you were given were largely uh, medication based. Is that is that correct? That's true. Yeah, medication based, of course, diet based. I was morbidly obese, so everything was because I was obese. You know. Um, I need you to follow the standard American diet, uh, low, low fat, uh, low calorie. Um, I tried everything. Um, but yes, to answer your question, medications and diet. was always Okay. Um, so what, um, uh, what types of diets and, you know, what was your diet like, um, throughout this time when you were suffering from these health problems? Um, what was, uh, you know, what was your typical diet? So you would think um, at my weight, my highest weight was 367. At that weight, you would think, okay, someone who is 5'8", um, a female at 367, she has to be eating tons and tons of food. Um, actually, it was the opposite. Um, I didn't eat a lot, but um, 
I believe, I can't say it's proven, but you know, I believe it was when I was eating and of course what I was eating. So my diet consisted of high carb, high sugar, and I didn't eat all day. So by the time I got home in the evening, um, I was, you know, overeating and, and, you know, indulging on all this, all the wrong foods at the wrong time. And then I was in what they call a carb coma right after I would eat and then fall asleep on that full belly. So that was just consistently day in, day out. Not to mention, you know, I, I wasn't an alcoholic at all, by no means. But, you know, I had when we did have our um, work functions and nightly outings, there was all these sugary alcoholic drinks, too. And, you know, that that helped are hurt a lot, I should say, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, it, it seems like this, it probably was getting uh, worse and worse. You were getting, you had a lot of these conditions. You mentioned kidney stones earlier. Um, was that a recurring problem for you? Yes. I would pass a kidney stone, at least a little one, probably once a month. Um, wow. It was, it was pretty bad. Um, I've had multiple surgeries um, for kidney stones getting stuck, you know, so they would have to insert a stent um, and break up the stones. Um, Yeah. So it was, it was chronic. They weren't sure why I was producing too many stones. Um, And um, yeah. Wow. (laughs) To this day, I really don't know why I was. Wow, that's that's wild. That's uh, quite a list of ailments uh, that you had. And you said you were about 40 years old. Is that kind of when? So what changed? Uh, you went. You mentioned uh, fatty liver disease. Yeah. Uh, you found out that you had that. Was that a triggering moment of change for you? Mm-hmm. So um, when I turned 40, it was a um, turning point for sure, where I started this journey. Um, but also it was um, a tough time. I I got laid off of a previous job, so lost my health insurance, but was severely ill with all these elements, um, ailments, I should say. And um, I was sent to the ER. I was sent to um, the emergency room of what I thought was another kidney stone, um, severe um, back pain, front pain, more on my right side. Usually when it's your right kidney, it's up higher. So I was like, oh, no, I know what can happen if it gets stuck. I better go to the ER. Um, come to find out during that trip, um, I found out it was actually fatty liver. And that's where I found out that also I was getting type 2 diabetes. My A1C was elevated and my blood sugar was elevated there as well. Um, so, yes, that was a wake up call to me. I was like, oh, I'm not even a grandma yet. So I want to make sure that my next season of life, I'm healthy to enjoy, you know, my grandkids that will soon come. So I'm 44 now. So. <laughs> OK. OK. So, um, yeah, if we fast forward four years, um, you know, from that uh, when you were 40, uh, what's your health like now? So much better. Um, I no longer am on any medications, none at all, um, and unless I'm taking them. So supplements like, you know, a magnesium glycine I take and um, I take Burbine, um, which is a natural herb um, to assist with, you know, 
making sure my blood sugar and, and all of that. Um, but that's just my choice. There's something that I read, just like the ketogenic diet, you know, that's what I think. Too. Wow, that, that's phenomenal. It's literally got to feel great. Yeah, uh, you know, and was a great side effect. I, I lost 170 pounds, you know, so that was great, too. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's that is terrific. And um, so what um, what did you do? You know, you, you mentioned the ketogenic diet earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like when you turned 40, you had these these issues and you decided I'm going to do something about this. I I want to be there for my uh, future grandchildren. Um, What what happened at that point? Um, I did a lot of research because because doctors started contradicting themselves, um, not giving me enough information, letting me know how did I get like this? What was the root cause? Um, So I'm kind of a type A personality. (laughs) I took it into my own hands and wanted to to find out myself. So I did tons of research and I, um, you know, I watched a documentary on Netflix called The Magic Pill. Um, I also listened extensively. I feel like I owe him tons of co-payment. I told him this, co-pays. But Dr. Ken Berry, I listened to him so much. At first I thought he was crazy. Um, But (laughs) I'm so glad I listened to him. He changed my life. you know, Dr. Berg, um, so many things out on Google, so many support groups that, that I just stalked and stalked. And I just made that decision to to go ahead and go for it. I tried everything else. And, you know, my end result was going to be me dying anyway. So I might as well take this jump and see if I can improve anything. OK, so um, did you start slow? Uh, did you like jump right in and go full on into like the very low carbohydrate ketogenic diet. Um, what what was your transition from standard American diet to ketogenic diet like? Um, well, I jumped right in, but like many do when they first start uh, a new um, way of eating, I should say, because I hate to call it diet, you know, way of yeah, eating. Yeah. Um, after my first month, I remember I, I cheated. I ate a Reese's peanut butter cup. Um, <laughs> so uh, my Cowboys lost. So I was really depressed. And yeah. <laughs> so I, did. Um, I did have my slip ups in the beginning, but I did jump in okay. as, as, as I thought, you know, 100 percent, even though I did have my slip ups in the beginning, <laughs> get under the 20 net carbs uh, um, a day. Um, but I was more dirty keto. I wouldn't say I was strict keto um, my first year at all. It was more just whatever was in my macros, what, you know, what fit in my macros. Okay. And so um, there might be some listeners that aren't very familiar with uh, the ketogenic diet or, you know, with the concept overall, or maybe with macronutrients at all. So could you describe uh, some of the changes in um, in diet when you you know, you dove right in. Um, what were some of those changes uh, when you said you went kind of quote unquote dirty keto? Yeah. Uh, you know, what what does that mean? What what types of foods were you eating? Okay, so um, the ketogenic diet, if um, listeners don't understand exactly what that is, it's 
putting your body in a state of ketosis, right? And ketosis is the normal process that happens when your body doesn't have carbs to burn for energy, you know? So instead it burns fat and um, it makes a substance called ketones, which can be used for fuel, right? So, um, you know, sugar turns into glucose and glucose needs insulin. And then that's where all the insulin resistance happens. And a lot of my conditions rooted from being insulin resistant. Um, So how I started, I realized, okay, I was missing all of these foods, right? I'm cutting out sugars, I'm cutting out carbs, but my whole life, ever since I was a baby, I I lived on sugar and carbs. So the beginning of the ketogenic diet was rough. I did, I did feel what people call the keto flu. You know, your body is it's basically a withdrawal to be totally honest with you because sugar is more uh, more addictive than cocaine right so your body is going through this withdrawal process of no more carbs and no more sugar so with what i like to call dirty keto you have a macro of what you should follow in your ketogenic way of eating and um in this macros i stuck to the 20 net carbs right and that is minusing my fiber and sugar alcohols from my total carbs Okay. So I would pick foods that would mock the old, old, you know, not so good for you foods <laughs> that I love. <laughs> um, for example, you know, like I said, the Reese's peanut butter cups, that was my favorite candy. I started making fat bombs that taste just like Reese's peanut butter cups. Okay. Or, you know, instead of just completely stop eating bread, I might have picked a low carb option of bread um that still has kind of higher carbs but it has higher fiber so i'm telling myself you know i could cancel that out okay Um, okay so So you were you were really you were trying to find um replacements for some of the comfort foods some of the foods that you loved that um you know didn't have as much carbohydrate content and then where where it was carbohydrate because you know there are kind of two types of carbohydrates there's fiber and then there are non-fibrous carbs um you are trying to opt for the ones low low carbohydrate where possible but um you know when they did have carbs you wanted them to be coming from fiber or from sugar alcohols right yes absolutely okay. until i trained myself on not needing those types of things and then i went okay. more Okay. So you mentioned uh, going through a, a transition period that uh, a lot of people refer to as the keto flu, or um, you kind of mentioned it's almost like carbohydrate withdrawal. Mm-hmm. Uh, your body has been dependent for all these years on a lot of uh, exogenous sugar and carbohydrate, and now it's not getting that anymore. Um, how long did you feel like you were going through that transition process and uh, what did that feel like? What were some of the, um, the effects that that keto flu quote unquote um, had on you? So the first time that I experienced keto flu was actually the very, the very beginning, you know, within the first, after the first two weeks, it really feels like you got hit by a Mack truck. It is, it made me feel so sore. Um, and this is just me. Everybody kind of experiences a little bit different, but it is like how you feel when you have the flu, you know, your body aches. Um, 
even um, not coughing or sneezing type of food, but, you know, um, going to the bathroom a lot, um, even nausea. Um, it, 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 was, it was tough. It, it was tough. Um, if you can get past the, the keto flu, if you ever experience that, just think about the energy you're going to have on the other side. Just get past it and then you're, you're winning. Um, the second time that I experienced it, it wasn't as bad. I was, I could tell I was more fat adaptive and, and didn't, um, um, didn't have that bad of a time. It was the, after the first year I, I cheated during the holidays. Um, yeah. and I can tell I must've knocked myself out of ketosis. Well, I checked, I did knock myself out of ketosis and getting back in, I was a little nauseous, um, at first, but it was nothing like the beginning. Nothing like Okay. And so um, what was it that uh, kept you going? Because I know, I know how, um, how I am and how a lot of people are that if they, you know, you were trying something new, you were trying this ketogenic diet out and, you know, you were feeling kind of crappy, you were feeling run down. And it sounds like, how long did this last? You said a couple of weeks. Or, no, no, no. or it, it long? Was a couple of weeks before I full on got the keto flu. A couple of weeks okay. the, the program, you know, starting um, the ketogenic way of eating. Um, how long it lasted was about three, about three to four days. Three, three to, to four days. days. Okay. Okay. So, what was it that um, that enabled you to think like, okay, I, you know, I can get through this. There's what gave you the hope that it was going to be worth it when the initial signal you were getting, the feedback you were getting was negative. It was, you know, you were kind of in pain and weren't feeling, uh, weren't feeling well. Um, what, what kept you going? Um, you know, that old song, um, it hurts, it hurts so good or it hurts. So <laughs> I can't even remember it right now, but I, I remember it at that time because I was prepared that it may happen because remember I did all the research, right? And okay. I'm like, okay, well, if I get this so-called keto flu, I know one, I'm doing something right. Right. So that means yeah. my body is in ketosis. And number okay. two, it took me years to get this sick. So it's going to take me some years to get healthy. Okay. If I can get past this, you know, this hump, this keto flu, it's it's just uphill from here, you know. Um, and if I don't, then I'm going to be sicker um, by continuing the lifestyle that I was living. So it was basically I had I had two hard choices to make and I needed to choose my heart. And my heart was to continue. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, that's a phenomenal attitude. And it, it goes to show the importance of, um, of knowing what you're, what you're getting yourself into. Um, because, you know, some people, maybe if they, if they heard about keto and just really quick and tried it and felt sick, who could blame them for, for not sticking with it. But um, it, you know, it reflects well on you that you had done that research and that, you know, you were determined you were going to get better. You stuck it out through that initial painful hump and uh, got over it. I'm curious, 
we we know kind of the spoiler alert version. Uh, we we heard earlier, you know, you don't have fatty liver disease anymore. Your type two diabetes is no more. You do not have high blood sugar. Uh, no more IBS. You haven't had kidney stones for two years. Um, so after you know those three or four days with the uh, the keto flu, um, how long did it take for you to start uh, noticing differences? And how long did some of these changes that we know, you know, we know the good news four years later, but at the time it was still an unknown. Uh, how did things unfold? Um, it was a long journey. Um, a lot of tears um, from my side, you know, like kind of with your question before is like, why did you continue? Why did you continue? I had to continuously tell myself, you know, I'm not doing this just to lose weight. I'm doing this for my health. I'm doing this for my health. And yeah. um, it's all in your mindset of when you start changing your, your diet or way of eating. It needs to be in my opinion, it needs to be for your health and because you're doing it for yourself, right? Not because you're trying to get back at someone or, you know, trying to look pretty for something <laughs> like that. Um, right. So my mindset was totally different. And the first year and a half, it was tough. I'm human. Um, you know, it was a roller coaster and I still had kidney stones. It wasn't as often, but I still had them. So instead okay. of thinking of, okay, wow, it's been three months in between this time. I was just thinking, oh, gosh, I already have a kidney stone, you know, again. Or, um, you know, my blood pressure was still elevated the first year. Um, My blood sugar, that pretty much eliminated itself within the three months. Wow. So that That, was pretty quick, right? Um, That's rapid, yeah. Yeah, and then the IBS as well um, was pretty quick too. Um, you know, those two were the first things. And I had to look at that. I had to look at the positive and say, okay, you know, wow, I no longer have IBS. My <sighs> blood sugar is pretty much controlled, right? Those are two huge things, in, you know, in my book. Oh. Um, so I'm still, I'm still suffering with, you know, a fatty liver and, um, you know, my high blood pressure and my kidney stones, but they were so much better. And I just, you know, I just kept, I just kept on and, and to see, you know, what, what can happen next. It can't get any worse because it's getting worse. Okay. Wow. So um, it sounds like uh, within a few months, you know, your, your blood sugar issues had, had resolved and IBS that, I mean, that's fascinating to me. I think a lot of people suffer with IBS for their whole lives and, you know, never never get relief um so what was that like and what was you know how did that impact your day-to-day life and just um yeah how you felt and um yeah how you went about your day well with IBS and if anyone who suffers with IBS knows that they really it can be embarrassing you you can be at a function for your kids or at a work dinner with clients that, you know, you're trying to close and lo and behold, you've got to run to the bathroom. So, you know, it, it, it's tough. And to be able to, you know, go places and go to events and not have to stalk about where my exits are, or my bathroom is, you know, um, 
and not to look rude by stop, you know, stopping a conversation short to run to the bathroom. Um, you know, that's, that's a lot off my shoulders as well. You know, it was, it was, it was a great relief just to have that and to feel better. And like you said, you know, a lot of people have it for their whole life. I can't remember a time where I didn't have it. Um, so wow. it had to be well within my middle school years, you know, my adolescent age, 12, 13 and above. And, you know, it wasn't IBS or lactose intolerance and all of these labels they want to put it on. It was the foods that I was eating and I was insulin resistant and, you know, my intestines and stomach were mad at me. You know, <laughs> I wasn't right. built to eat those foods that I was eating. Okay, that's. That's very interesting. And with all of this, um, I'm curious what the what the reactions as you were going through this and, you know, suddenly your your diabetes is resolving and your IBS is resolving. Uh, what were the reactions of your your family, your friends? Um, and I don't know how often you were seeing like your doctor, but I'm curious what what your doctor thought. Um, did anyone have any notable um, opinions or thoughts about what was happening with you? Sure. Um, at first, a lot of uh, my family and friends thought I was crazy. Um, I was keto when keto wasn't cool, right? So, <laughs> um, you know, there wasn't a lot of um, research out should I say correct accurate research for them to see and um, it just seems that everybody was attacking keto at that time um, so they would just say you know well your kidneys are not going to function you're going to have too much protein in them and I could go on and on I was going to have a heart attack because all of the bacon that I had to eat and cheese right. um, you know it's it's funny because now they're my biggest supporters yeah. and not only that, um, many of them are now eating the same way. Um, wow. But it's all about education and it's all about, um, you know, me being an example, you know, looking at my results. As far as um, my doctor is concerned, I was going to the same doctor for many years in Florida. Then I moved to Savannah. Um, well, I should say almost three years ago, two and a half years ago. Um, so in Savannah, Georgia, I have a brand new doctor. So he he's he's seen me through this journey and he has been so supportive to the fact that sometimes he asked me exactly what are you doing? And, you know, I know that sounds weird, but I'm OK with that. You know, for him, oh. you know, for him to actually ask me, you know, what exactly are you doing? Because it's working and he may want to actually use that. For, oh, know, yeah, for his patients. I, I rather have a doctor that way than someone who thinks he knows it all and say, no, get on a standard American diet. And that's what was killing me, you know? Right. Um, so I'm okay with it. He supports the ketogenic way of eating 100%. It works for me. And he's actually um, promoting it with other, other patients as well. And he continuously is asking questions about what I'm doing. Wow. I mean, that's phenomenal. That's all you can ask for uh, from a medical professional is that they're willing to be curious, willing to learn. You know, it, it makes sense that if you know, he's seeing the results clinically in you, 
And those are the types of results that you want to replicate. You That's what doctors get into the business for is to help people get better. And it sounds like uh, he's really taken that to heart and it, uh, you know, that just reflects very well on, on your doctor. So that's terrific. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm curious with that, you know, you mentioned that your doctor asks, well, like, what exactly are you doing? Um, I'm curious, what is, uh, what are some of the like main foods that you eat for, for the people out there who might not know a whole lot about, uh, keto or, I mean, and there are a lot of variations of, of the right. ketogenic diet. Uh, so I'm curious, what, uh, what are some of the foods that you typically eat and maybe what, what does like a typical day of eating look like for you? Well, um, now that I've been on the ketogenic way of eating um, for a while now, I, I like to call myself more fat adaptive than in maintenance for now, right? So in maintenance, um, I am still a strict, I'm on the strict ketogenic diet from like Monday through Thursday. And then on um, the weekend, I still stay keto, but it's more the dirty keto, like <laughs> my macros, right? Okay. So um, the Monday through Thursday, um, my body naturally intermittent fasts, right? Intermittent fasting. So um, I'm usually not hungry um, until about 1130 in the morning to noon. Um, and I usually break my fast with um, a protein, whether it be um, some eggs um, and cheese or um a leftover dinner from last night, the protein from leftover dinner, because I'm big on, you know, keep it simple. Don't buy a lot of foods, you know, don't waste money. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Protein. Um, I'm different than a lot of other um, ketogenic um, followers or dieters. I don't I don't focus so much on trying to get in so much fat. Right. I'm 44. Yeah. And I have enough of it still. Um, so um, I don't need fat for energy. I rather up my. Pro I just feel better with my protein being increased, and okay. then I keep my my carbs less than twenty grams, and that's total now. Under okay, I no longer do the net carbs Monday through Thursday. It's more total carbs Monday through Thursday. Okay. Um, um I eat a lot of ribeye. <laughs> I I love ribeye. Um, who, who doesn't yeah. <laughs> broccoli um hamburgers you know of course without the bun a lot of bacon um chicken fish i love salmon um i love crab legs you know shrimp sausage you you can you can have all of those things you just watch the carbs and even the veggies you want to make sure they're not too high in carbs yeah well that's you know that's a phenomenal look at um at something, and I, I just want to reiterate this, um, that I, I think a lot of people would have an assumption that there's kind of a, a pervasive belief that to um, to lose weight or to gain health, you've got to eat really bland foods and really restrict, restrict, restrict. And I mean, I'm, I'm hearing you talk about eggs and cheese and, you know, some veggies, but also uh, ribeyes and burgers and bacon and seafood, all these things like that does not sound restrictive. 
to me. <laughs> like, you know, it sounds, uh, you know, it sounds like you've got a, a lot of like very palatable options. And, um, you know, I, I'm not hearing you say that you're like trying to keep to a specific calorie count or anything like that. Are you? Um, I do now. I, you know, it, I know Dr. Barry is probably saying, Barbara, no, don't count your calories. I can hear him. <laughs> but um, the first, I only started that within the last nine months. Okay. Um, the first um, few years, I did not. It was just staying underneath, under net carbs. Um, but I hit a plateau for a very long time, and I just wanted to get these last 20 pounds off. And um, although a lot of it is, you know, probably loose skin and, you know, it has to do with that. Um, I tried counting my calories along with my macros and not really being because, okay, I'm counting my calories per se, like calories in, calories out. I'm not really a big advocate for that, but I did because that's where your macros for your, your, your carbs and your, you know, your fats and your proteins it comes from your calories, right? So if you're going to, you know, have 5% carbs or, you know, um, uh-huh. 12%, you know, protein. So I just wanted to give myself a, a, um, foundation onto where to adjust my macros. And I'm like, okay, well, if I'm staying below, um, my carbs, um, 20 net carbs or 20 total carbs, then let's see what happens when I stay underneath a calorie, um, deficit as well. And it's worked out for the last, you know, for the last couple of months. I'm not going to continue to count my calories because I'm in maintenance. But, yeah. um, you know, the holidays, we just passed them. <laughs> and you know, I, I did say ketogenic through the holidays. I There's a such thing as eating too much ketogenic friendly foods as well. And right. I right. most certainly did that. I put on <laughs> 15 pounds through November to, um, you know, to the 1st of January. So. That's why I'm kind of being strict for the, you know, with the calories deficit. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, I can see the dichotomy there. Um, there's uh, some form you've, you know, you've had a lot of success at some points with, um, without explicitly tracking calories. But then, you know, you hit, hit a point where um, you needed a little, little boost. And so there's also, you know, there's the flip side of that dichotomy where it's like, well, what gets measured gets managed. And um, so it, it sounds like you've got a good approach where you're not you're not making yourself too miserable and trying to, like, starve yourself or anything. But you're trying, you know, trying to keep track of um, what's going in, you know, going into your body. And right. for yeah. sure. As much as you can, because with calories, it's it's pretty difficult to actually count, right? Like nobody really knows how many calories is a piece of bacon because. (laughs) So, yeah, at least it it gave me a foundation for this month to go ahead and lose those 15 pounds, which I did, you know, that I can't. Oh, that's that's phenomenal. Um, And I know, um, I know some of your family has. Uh, has been inspired by uh, your major health improvements. Uh, I'm curious, uh, you know, do you have anything to share about like 
some of your family members and their reactions to to your transformation? Sure. Um, I'll start with my husband. Um, we're known as the keto couple now, and um, <laughs> he's lost um, he's lost about sixty pounds and has maintained that off. Um, he is my I like to call him my swole mate. We work out all the time, and <laughs> cook together, and you know, he's a ham. Love him. My um, my daughter has lost one hundred twenty five pounds. She's twenty one. Wow. Um, she lost it in less than a year. And has maintained that off. She looks amazing and she feels so much better. Um, our other children as well have um, been watching their carbs, I should say. They're, they're really mindful, more mindful of it, should, should I say. Um, my mother, um, she was actually diagnosed with um, stage one um, cancer, uterine cancer. Um, she did have surgery. They removed it all, um, but she now is following the ketogenic diet as well and is, um, has remained cancer-free. Um, That's fantastic. My um, my brothers, they were on the show Biggest Loser, um, both of them, and um, of course, um, didn't the show didn't do um, they didn't do well? I should say on the show. I don't know how to say that nicely. <laughs> I'm not a fan <laughs> of Biggest Loser. Uh, but they're both now watching, um, you know, watching their carb intake as well. Not following it completely, but um, by, you know, learning some things from me, they are they are more mindful of their carbs and moving along that way, that path. Okay. Wow. So yeah, since your family has lost a combined just between you, your husband, and your daughter, it's right around 300 pounds total is that or may, maybe more than i think over 300 it would be over 300 over 300 pounds um yeah and you know it, it sounds like you know when you mentioned it earlier it was almost like the weight loss was a happy side effect to uh to some of the health that you've gained is that is that how you feel about it absolutely um, and that's what kept me going is like, okay, you know, even though when I jumped on that scale and some days it, it had two pounds gain instead of two pounds lost, I just kept reminding myself, this is not why you started eating this way. You started eating this way to take care of yourself and to heal yourself and to have a better quality of life. And the weight loss is a great side effect. It's a great plus. That, that's fantastic. Um, and speaking of that, you know, your motivation wasn't, you know, purely, uh, weight loss. I'm, I'm curious to hear with the health that you've gained now that you've improved your health, what's one thing you enjoy doing that you couldn't do, uh, back before your health transformation? Well, I'm going to keep it PG because, you know, my kids might listen to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) those blanks and I'll just say that um, <laughs> some exciting things um, was definitely you know one I can fit in a seat on a plane and buckle my seatbelt um, ride a roller coaster or walk into the store and actually buy normal clothes off the rack instead of having to go and order them online because I'm too big to fit anything um, so those are some exciting Exciting, exciting non-scale victories that I had through my journey. 
Well, that's fantastic. Um, I, I think it seems like you've gained so much, uh, so much health and vigor from, uh, from this. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people, whether it's, um, you know, whether they are struggling with, uh, type two diabetes or, um, edema or, uh, fatty liver, hypertension, IBS, kidney stones, um, any of these, I feel like people would, you know, could really benefit from, uh, from talking to you. So are there, um, are there any places that if anyone listens to this, that they could reach out to you? Do you have any, you know, social media links, websites, uh, where can people find you? Sure. Um, well, on Instagram, we are at couple.keto. And um, on Twitter, we are keto underscore, underscore couple. And then on Facebook, we are the Kendrick Keto Couple. Okay, that's, uh, that's terrific. And for anyone listening, uh, that will be in the show notes uh, so that you can, um, if you want to reach out and uh, learn more about Barbara and about her family uh, and some of the successes they're having, um, you can check that out. But um, yeah, I think this is going to really inspire a lot of people, give hope to a lot of people who can be struggling with any number of conditions. You know, you've shown that it's possible to heal from some of these conditions that um, that a lot of people just kind of consider, well, I'm just going to have to deal with this for the rest of my life. Um, so I am curious to one, one question, uh, you know, do you consider yourself cured, um, of these conditions? You know what, that was, that's a good question. And, and, you know, it's a lot to think about. I don't want to jinx myself. I'm kind of (laughs) vicious, right? Sure. Um, You know, you're not the only one to ask me that. And I'm like, well, I can't tell you I'm cured, but it sure as heck looks like it. I'm off all the medications and I no longer, I no longer have these problems. So I would like to say yes, but I hope. (laughs) (laughs) That that makes perfect sense to me. Well, I'm, uh, I'm thrilled that you could, um, that you can join today and um, Barbara thank you so much for your time thank you for listening to You Cured What join us again soon for another story of healing